This is Still Rowing, a podcast where members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints share their authentic stories of struggle and triumph on their journey of discipleship, and just why they are choosing faith in the restored Church of Jesus Christ. In April 2003, Christine and Jeff McClellan were eagerly expecting the birth of their second daughter. On a stormy day in Provo, Utah, Caroline arrived into the world in a dramatic way via emergency C-section, followed by a helicopter ride to Primary Children's Medical Center. Over the next few days, Christine and Jeff began to understand that their life was not going to be anything like they had expected it to be. Christine and Jeff are both graduates of BYU, where Jeff works in the publications office. Their other daughter, Lizzie, is a student in the BYU animation program. As a family, they love music. Christine plays the piano. Jeff and Lizzie play the bagpipes, which is so cool. (laughs) Uh, They enjoy being outdoors. Caroline especially loves long walks outside. I'm Tara McCausland. Welcome to our listeners and welcome, Christine and Jeff. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you. I was saying just before we started recording that I I have to share with our listeners how I found Jeff and Christine. Um, I believe that the Lord's hand was in this. So I had actually shared a quote that Jeff shared. It, It was from a BYU devotional, actually, that he gave back in July 2018. Um, but it was rebroadcast just when when was it rebroadcast jeff uh in july of this year i think okay so for whatever reason i was thinking about faith and i remembered that quote that i had shared earlier on on my facebook and shared it again and the thought came to me i don't even know who this jeff mcclellan person is (laughs) and so i i looked up jeff and saw that he had actually given a devotional I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. I'll have to check that out. And that very day, another friend on Facebook, he was actually a mutual friend of Jeff's, had posted that same devotional and said how wonderful it was. And just something inside me said, you need to listen to that and you need to reach out to Jeff. And so here we are. And I'm so grateful again for um, the McClellans and their willingness to share their story. We'll be talking about some tender things today. and And I recognize that it takes courage to do that. So Um, But would you share more of the story of Caroline's birth? Sure, we'd be happy to. um, I think I'll start. This is Christine. Um, It was a pretty normal pregnancy when I was pregnant with Caroline, no problems. And her due date was approaching. And that week, um, I just didn't feel her moving as much, which is not unusual at the end stages. Um, But the day before her due date, I really didn't feel her moving. And I thought, oh, maybe something's wrong. But then I ate something and I felt a kick and I thought it's okay. So then the next morning on her due date, I woke up and thought, I'm just not feeling her moving. Maybe I should get this checked out. And Jeff thought I was being a little paranoid. But um, we all headed to the hospital. He had Lizzie, too. Um, And while there, they hooked me up and they found the heartbeat and it was fine for 20 minutes. And they just said, oh, it's a boy, right? Because it's a little bit slow. And we said, no, it's a girl. So they said, "We'll we'll do 20 minutes more. And then while that was going, they lost the heartbeat. They tried to find it again. 
and they realized her heart had stopped and they rushed me in for a C-section. So that was uh, just a little surreal how fast things happened. And then they got her out of me within, I think, 12 minutes it took. Yeah, it was really crazy. And I, I remember being there and, and it was just this nice, happy moment at first. You know, there, everything was fine and we were just chatting in the room and Lizzie was being cute. And, and then all of a sudden there was nurses everywhere and this panic fear, feeling and experience. And, um, and, and then Christine was gone. And, and I remember just standing in the hallway <laughs> with Lizzie and just feeling completely lost and, um, and afraid and not knowing what's going on with my wife and child. And then, and then this cart comes through the hallway with the, a baby on it, and she was so white and so still and so quiet. I just remember this, this sense of concern for that child, and I didn't know if it was ours or not. Hmm. Um, and, and then they went into a room, and I could see what they were doing in there. And finally, someone came out and, and was able to confirm, yes, that is your child. And, and they started to explain what was going on, that Caroline had lost a lot of blood um, and didn't know why. We still don't know why. Um, and her heart wasn't beating, um, or, and she wasn't breathing, I think. Um, and they were trying to transfuse blood. And, and I remember it took him a long time to try to thread this, this uh, tube in through her umbilical cord to give her blood. And it took a really long time to get that in. Um, anyway, and we waited for a while. And then, and then my dad arrived, and we gave Caroline a blessing. Um, and they, they told us that she needed to go to primary children's. So... Um, she was off in a helicopter, and uh, and my parents took Lizzie, and Christine was recovering. I think you got to see Caroline just briefly before. Yeah, they wheeled her in briefly. Yeah. Uh, and and then I got in the car and drove to Primary Children's to be with Caroline. It was just this strange thing of being, you know, just this happy together family just a couple hours before at home and even in the hospital and then suddenly we're all in different places um, in this sense of crisis really um, and uncertainty and yeah. it was so unexpected and they and like you said they still don't really know what happened they think she probably lost blood in the womb over time because her blood levels were so low but yeah it's pretty <laughs> scary crazy how quickly our lives can just be turned upside down. Even just an hour ago, my family was taking a little walk around the block. The light was waning and we were talking with some neighbors and they live on a corner and my sons were riding their bikes and uh, a, a car just quickly came around the corner and missed my son by <laughs> inches. Those moments as a mom where you think, that was so close. And I, in my mind's eye, I could see him getting just smashed by that car and feeling so grateful that he was safe. But did you ever feel like in that moment, where is our miracle as everything was just spinning out of control? I think, well, I do think we realized pretty quickly. I know the doctor came in to talk to me briefly. He looked scared to death. I, I will always remember that. Um, cause he was really shaken by the experience, but he did say if I had been at home, she would have passed away. You know, we mm. didn't realize pretty quickly that it was a miracle that she was alive. I mean, it would have mm. just been a stillbirth. Um, if I hadn't, I really feel like I was inspired to go to the hospital 
So in that way, I kind of felt a sense of Heavenly Father was in control. We don't understand. We still hoped for miracles at that point. We didn't, you know, we didn't realize until a couple of days later that, you know, she had such bad, her brain was so badly damaged and that that wasn't very recoverable. But, you know, so yeah, it was a mix of, I think we both felt like Heavenly Father knew what he was doing. We just had no idea. <laughs> and, um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was a process of, of discovering what, what was going on with Caroline, but. And there were so many instances of, of feeling um, his presence and guidance and support through all that. It was scary and, uh, and, and uncertain and um, and there were you know desperate prayers for miracles um, that were not realized um, but there were so many things like Christine mentioned you know feeling inspired to go to the hospital I've so many times thought since then how grateful I am that she was in tune and I was not you know I totally thought she was being paranoid um, but she was right and and if she hadn't had that feeling to go to the hospital, we wouldn't have Caroline at all. And how grateful we are for that, that we do have her. Um, and, and we've talked uh, also about um, a conference talk that we read. It was, this was in April and we had um, started reading a few weeks before conference, which started reading the previous conference talks to kind of prepare for conference. And we continued after conference because we weren't done yet. And one of the talks that we read just like the week before Caroline was born was a talk by Elder Lance Wickman um, and powerful, beautiful talk about uh, faith and about trusting in God when things don't go the way you want them to go. And he shares a story of his son who died um, despite prayers and blessings and all of that. Um, and, you know, a powerful, moving talk. We read it just the week before Caroline was born and we thought, oh, that's a nice talk. And then a week later, we're in almost the exact situation that he talked about. And and a couple of days after Caroline's birth, Christine came up to Primary Children's and um, and we had traumatic discussions with doctors. And and then we were driving home together and, and we read the talk again. And it was suddenly so applicable to our lives and and so directly relevant in so many ways that it that to me was an evidence that God was aware of us, um, that we read it just a week before and that we could read it again. And it just applied so directly and was so comforting and strengthening to us in those early days and many hmm. other things that that blessed us along the way. Even though the miracle we hoped for didn't happen, there were so many other miracles that strengthened and supported us. My recovery from I mean, it was an emergency C-section. My recovery was amazing to me. Just that I got out of the hospital so quickly and was able to spend so much time up at primaries. And I mean, it was it was a much easier recovery than for my when I gave birth to Lizzie. And that was one obvious blessing to me, too. Well, I love what I'm hearing from the two of you. Um, I think sometimes we we have set in our minds what a quote unquote miracle will look like. But as I listen to you share your experience, that you saw the miracle, but the miracle looked maybe a little bit different than what maybe someone else might suggest was the miracle. So I think the eyes to see 
God's hand in our life, even though it might not look as prettily packaged as some might uh, feel like it needs to, to be considered a miracle. I, I, I love that, that testimony that while our lives may be very difficult and we may have uh, a child who is born under the circumstances that you're just describing, and then the challenges continue um, with disability, that if we have eyes to see, we can still see God's hand and still see his miracles. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's, that's so key for all of us when when things don't go our way. But I'm curious, and, and Jeff talked a lot about this in his BYU speech, which, by the way, if, for our listeners, if you're interested in listening to that, it's such a good speech. And so I'm going to post it in the show notes. But how has this experience shifted and deepened your understanding of the nature of faith and perhaps what you place your faith in? One of the ways that it it first started to shape our faith, I think, at least for me, was um, through that talk from Elder Wickman. Um, just such a powerful talk. And the title of it is, But If Not. And in that talk, he shares the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and how they, um, they declared before the king, you know, they were being threatened with death in the fiery furnace, and they said, Oh, King, we're not going to worship your gods. And, and they said, God will save us. But if not, we still won't worship your gods. And and that that faith to say, but if not, that they had faith that God could save them. But even if not, they would still have faith. And we were talking about this today that, you know, then they were thrown into the furnace. And sometimes we think about God saving us just at the last minute. But, but lately I've started to realize in, in this case it was after the last minute, you know, <laughs> they weren't saved right before they got thrown in the fire. They were in the fire before salvation came. And, and so the miracle didn't maybe happen in the way they might have expected, um, but it happened. But even if it hadn't have happened, they still had faith in God. And, and as I've thought about that, I've thought one of the powerful things about that story is, is that it illustrates that if your faith is in Jesus Christ, not in the promise of deliverance, but if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then you can be secure in that faith because no matter what happens, you still have faith and you still know that God is in charge and you still have those eternal promises. If your faith is on being delivered from the fire and you get thrown into the fire, then where's your faith? You know, and 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 what does that do to your your sense of understanding of the world and of God's plan. Um, but he's, God doesn't command us to have faith in outcomes. It's not faith in healing. It's not faith in deliverance. It's not faith in a happy life. It's faith in Jesus Christ that matters. And, and then with that faith, we can face whatever comes because we're secure on him, whatever we are faced with, whether it's a fiery furnace or disability. Um, so that for me was one of the most profound things that started to shape my faith through this experience with Caroline, but then many, many others. But for me, that was one of the beginnings. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we know we're told over and over in the scriptures, we need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And we have faith that um, it will all be okay in the end. At the end, not necessarily being in this life. You know, Caroline's 
um, she's having a hard life in a lot of ways. I mean, she suffers sometimes. She has a lot of pain sometimes. But we know that in the end, in the next life, she'll have a wonderful eternal life. Um, and I think also besides faith in Jesus Christ, um, it's really made me feel more faith in Heavenly Father and his love for us, that we know that he has a plan, that he's he's involved in our lives, that he cares. And more than anything with Caroline, I felt like, and it's been so good to be reminded of, he loves her. He's her father. He loves her. We felt that so much. Um, and he knows what he's doing. And we just hope we're not getting in the way. <laughs> that we're helpful in that. So good. Well, and Jeff, I love, I love what both of you have said. Um, but, you know, when we, when we talk about what we place our faith in, obviously we know that the first principle of the gospel is not just faith. It is faith in Jesus Christ. But sometimes I think we unintentionally omit that. And we, we do start placing our faith in outcomes and make our willingness to be obedient to commandments conditional on outcomes. Gosh, that shifts things so much when we can really be committed to not just, as you said, faith in what I want or how I feel my life should go, but faith in Christ and in the plan that God has for us and believing that even if it is very messy, that God is in it, no matter how painful that experience might be and how drawn out. Because with a, a child that has a disability, it is for the long haul. And I, I worked for a few years as a job coach working with people that have disabilities. And I saw how uniquely challenging it can be to live in this world as someone with a significant disability, whether mental or physical, and also for those who are caretakers. So I have so much respect for the two of you and what what you've been up against the last 17 years because it is it is not easy. And so that brings me to this next question. So obviously Caroline was born and uh, shortly thereafter you recognized that she would have some unique needs and challenges. But what is the, the biggest adjustment you've had to make as Caroline's parents and how has the Lord helped ease that burden? It's been a lot of adjustments. And I guess, I don't know that we've described this yet. Um, she has, she's now 17. Um, she still functions at about a three-month-old level. And most things she can't um, roll over or grasp things, certainly not walking or talking. Um, she can kind of wave her arms in certain directions. I mean, just really, really limited um, function. So, yeah. It's a lot of work, um, and you're right. I, I mean, her birth story was dramatic, um, but really what's been harder is the is the years and years afterwards. You know, we can all rise to an occasion when we're in crisis mode, but it's just, you know, kind of exhausting to do it for years and years. <laughs> I think the biggest adjustment is the uncertainty. We've all had a taste of that with COVID, I think, the frustration of dealing with some uncertainty in our lives. In some ways, I feel like we are more prepared for COVID because we have so much uncertainty in our daily lives with Caroline. Um, she, I mean, we know she needs help with all of her basic care, but besides that, she just goes through a lot of periods of sadness. So she's, she goes to school when it's not a time of pandemic. Um, now that she's old enough, 
But if she's really sad or sick, um, she doesn't go to school. And I think the hardest thing for me is not knowing when she'll need me. So I have this kind of weird life as her primary caretaker. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, so when she's at school, I have a ton of free time. But I don't know until the day of if she's going to be able to go to school or not. And sometimes she's there's been years when she's gone to school less often than she has stayed home. So it's just really varied a lot. So that means a lot of uncertainty on if we try to do a family vacation, which is a huge undertaking anyways, um, or if we, you know, try to set up a family activity or date night or different things. We just always know our plans might change at the last minute if she needs us. We have to cancel a lot of things. It's been a huge adjustment we worry about with our other daughter, how that's affected her, because she's had to deal with that. It's not the most normal upbringing. Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to say the biggest challenge is just the day-to-day -day uncertainty. Christine is, I think, amazing in that. And um, her strength and her flexibility and her willingness to roll with whatever comes um, has been a, a huge blessing to our family and, and also her faith. Uh, Christine is the rock of faith for all of us. Um, um, and and certainly there are a lot of things that have been really hard um, and um, having a child with disabilities is is a difficult thing. Um, I, I asked Lizzie today um, about her thoughts about growing up with Caroline and and Lizzie said you know that she hasn't known anything different so she doesn't know what to compare it to and she, she actually said in some ways she's much less annoying than a sibling might be. <laughs> but um, so, I mean, there are blessings like that, right? But you adjust your expectations. And I think the uncertainty is hard and changing expectations of what life is going to be like. And, and I think I'm slower to do that than Christine is. And I still think when we serve a mission someday and then, well, will we serve a mission? I don't know if we can serve a mission. We're going to be caring for Caroline her whole life probably. And and you know, changing our expectations about what life is going to be is is hard. Um, but I also want to say this: um, as challenging as it is, um, I often feel, as I look at other families around us, that our family certainly has difficulties, and um, and Caroline brings a unique set of challenges to us. But having a child who has behavior problems or having eight children like my brother has <laughs> or or having um, a child who struggles with faith, those challenges are every bit as real and every bit as difficult and in some ways more so than what we deal with Caroline. And and our, our challenges with Caroline are very visible. They're very public. She's in a wheelchair. <laughs> you just can't not, you can't miss it. And so we get a lot of attention and a lot of love and a lot of sympathy and a lot of support. And people are so patient and kind and, and they give us the benefit of the doubt and they give us a pass on lots of things because they think we can't do stuff. <laughs> and, um, and that's really nice. But then I look at a neighbor or a family member who's got a child that is struggling in some other really difficult way. Um, a mental health issue or something that, that isn't as apparent and 
And instead of getting support and love, sometimes they get judgment um, and, and they get frustration from other people and they don't get the patience. And, and I think those challenges are, are every bit as hard as ours. Um, and, and one of the things, messages I always want to, to share, and I wish I had a better way of sharing it, is just to say, parenting is hard and <laughs> children are hard no matter what child it is. And parents are heroes <laughs> and, and every parent needs the kind of love and support we get. And we just need a lot more patience with each other in this world and, and support and forgiveness and love. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And I, I appreciate you bringing that up, that some struggles are so much more visible uh, than others. And I feel like in the church, there are certain things that we're really good at. And when, you know, if, if someone has cancer or, yeah, we're in crisis, uh, vis very visible crisis, um, like when Caroline was born, I suspect that people came flocking to, to help your family. And I think we do that really well as members of the church and caring for those very visible needs. But as you described, we all suffer and struggle in our unique ways. And, and many times those struggles are, are not visible. And I appreciate you bringing up the, the need to have more compassion and patience for one another. It sounds to me like the experience raising Caroline, and I think it, it's a it's a unique challenge also for Lizzie, even though she doesn't know anything different. It's created more of a compassionate eye in, in the two of you. Some of that is, as I think, come from raising Lizzie and Caroline, because Lizzie is a wonderful girl and she's amazing and brilliant and just so good in so many ways. But in some ways, parenting Lizzie has been harder than Caroline, because yeah. Caroline doesn't disobey. She doesn't, <laughs> doesn't wander off. And she eats everything we give her, and she is the most nutritionally fed child in the world, you know? She's through a detail. Yeah. So <laughs> in some ways, it, parenting Caroline is easier. In some ways, it's not. It's much harder. But, but that, that contrast between the two girls has been interesting to me in that way and helping shape my deep feelings about this. That, yeah. Anyway. And with Caroline, there's been more physical challenges. Uh, you know, they're not, she still gets up in the night. It can be exhausting or lifting her. We lifted her for years and finally realized we need to use a lift because we're hurting our backs. There's some physical things like that. Um, but yeah, we don't worry about her salvation at all. We, I mean, yeah, right. We, and we don't worry about the choices she's making. And yeah, there's just, it's just different. I wonder, though, about having a child with a disability, and I love how positive both of you are. <laughs> you guys are rock stars. Um, but raising a child with significant disabilities and perhaps uh, mourning the life that Caroline could have had if she had not had those disabilities. Have you grieved that loss and perhaps... Tell me a little bit about how that's impacted your perspective on mortality and the plan. Yeah, we've grieved. It's interesting. Um, you know, grief is different for everyone. So that is one thing we've talked about, how we, we each grieve differently at different times. You know, when she was first born, I don't know if it's, I have a cousin with multiple disabilities. I don't know if it's, it's knowing what um, my aunt's been like raising him or if it's just my personality, but I feel like I grieved quite soon, realized kind of what things would be like and grieved 
really hard at the beginning. <laughs> and Jeff, it was over time, every milestone she missed more. Uh, that, but my point is that our grieving was very different. And that's one thing. And we were also conscious. I, I studied sociology in college and knew that having a child with a disability ranked up there on the list of things that are hard on marriages. So we talked about that early on too, that that we have to talk through things. This could be really hard. And that was one of the things that struck me was how differently we grieved. And, and I think for me, um, too, when she was born, I remember talking to friends that, like high school friends that aren't members of the church and just getting that perspective and talking to them about how this is a, a huge tragedy. I mean, we knew she was gonna have a really different life, um, but we have this perspective of she had this pre-mortal life and she has a post-mortal life that's gonna be amazing. And this is just the in-between part. And that is so huge for our understanding and coping with, with the challenges. Um, I mean, if we thought this life was all there was, it would be so depressing to think about her when she's sad. I mean, she's sad a lot of the time. It would just be really sad. But yeah, we can have joy because we have that perspective and we, we have a solid testimony of that. That answers your question. But yeah, grieving. I, th I think even more, I think I accepted more that her life would just be really different. Um, and so I haven't mourned the milestones as much. She's a senior in high school this year. We got a thing about senior portraits and we just kind of joked about that because she just mm -hmm. has no awareness. She doesn't care about doing the typical senior things, you know. Uh, but but we've definitely mourned as a family that, yeah, like I always wanted to serve a mission when we're older or, I mean, the only way, a lot of our peers right now are becoming empty nesters. The only way we're going to become empty nesters is if she passes away. I mean, we don't want that to happen. We mourn the fact that we can't go travel and I can't start another career or something. There's some mourning there for sure. Can you tell me more, Jeff, on your end, how you you grieved? I'm always hopeful that things are going to get fixed, right? <laughs> I'm always hopeful that we're going to win the game, you know, in the football game when you're behind, I'm, those dramatic comebacks, whatever. Anyway, I'm always hopeful. And and I think when Caroline was born and the doctors were telling us within a few days that she's likely going to be severely disabled and, and really giving us some very dire um, predictions of her life. But then there was this hint of, but we don't know. And and children's brains amaze us, and and she could turn out very different. And and I clung to that hope, you know. <laughs> and and I remember asking, well, when will we know? And and it, well, when we see milestones, and whether she hits milestones. And and so as Christine mentioned, milestones. Yeah, I was watching those milestones. Is she gonna roll over? Is she gonna crawl? Is she gonna do any of these things? And and so there was disappointment. Um, as those milestones came and went. Um, I remember for me, one of the most significant times like that was when she turned eight and, uh, and she wasn't gonna get baptized. And I'm um, sorry. <laughs> um, I remember um, on her eighth birthday, uh, waking up early, um, probably because she was loud <laughs> and studying scriptures and and just thinking about the atonement and uh, and feeling both a sense of loss that she would not be baptized um, 
And then this just overwhelming gratitude that she didn't need to be. That, um, that the Savior's atonement took care of that for her. And, um, and, and so for me, that was some of that loss, right? Some of that coming to grips with that. Um, and, and I want to say also, this is a little bit tangential, but Christine mentioned something about this too, just um, the sense of Caroline's future um, and the hope of what she can be after this life, what she will be, um, has been profound for me. Um, you know, you talk about faith, hope, and charity. And before Caroline, I always thought, I get faith, I get charity. I don't know about hope. What's hope? <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? And uh, to me, hope was always, I hope the gospel's true. I believe the gospel's true. What's the difference? You know, faith, hope, they're the same thing. But after Caroline's birth, hope just became this rock for me um, that because I have faith in Jesus Christ, I have hope for Caroline. And, and that's an anchor for me now, that hope. And it's tangible, it's real, it's substantial, this hope because of Jesus Christ that she can be glorified and, and we can be with her. Um, that's so powerful in my life. I've started to have a little bit more of the sense, and I think probably over the rest of my life it'll grow, but of, of who Caroline is and... Um, what an amazing spirit she is. Um, we were talking today about, we don't know um, what influence she has in our family, but we think it's profound. <laughs> and, and we feel like the spirit is here in our home because she is such a pure spirit. And she blesses us in profound ways that we don't recognize. It, with the devotional talk that I gave, um, there have been some great experiences that have come about from that of people who have been really touched by Chris, by Caroline's story. And um, and a couple of months ago, the Enzyme took a segment of my talk and published it, and they asked me to post something on Facebook about it, and I did. And there was just this overwhelming flood of comments on that post of people who were so touched by Caroline. And I posted, there was a picture of Caroline and she has this radiant smile and people were just gushing about, she's so beautiful and what a pure spirit and an angel and just these powerful feelings. You really touched people. And I remember trying to tell Caroline what was going on. And, and I had this thought, I thought, it's amazing how God can use a girl who can't talk to touch so many people. Mm. And in that moment, and since then thinking about that, I've thought, Caroline is a noble spirit. And God has a work for her to do. And he's doing it. He's doing it in very powerful ways, touching people's lives through Caroline. And, and we're just blessed to be along for the ride. Um, and if God can work through Caroline, and if he has a work for her to do, think of the work that he has for you to do and for me to do. And if he can work through her, he can work through us. Thank you so much for sharing that. I was going to actually ask you if you had ever really gotten a sense of the strength of her spirit and you, you answered the question without me even asking it. <laughs> I do know 
from my brief experience working with individuals that have disabilities, yes, I think that there is something unique those individuals have brought into my life as I worked with them. And I and my job was to help them find work. I felt like they were teaching me so much as I was along that road with them. We can have a sense of what we can become as God's children. And just like you said with Caroline, if someone who can't even speak can make a difference and, and God has a work for her to do, certainly he has a work for each of us to do if we will allow ourselves to be instruments in his hands. And this is kind of a, maybe a continuation of what you were just talking about. But I do want to ask this question. Um, I do believe that when we have great challenges in our lives, especially challenges that are not of our own making, God gives us compensatory blessings. And again, I think you've already spoken to this, but are there any other unique blessings that have come to you in your family as the result of raising Caroline and having her a part of your family? So many. I think we've just had so many, so many blessings. Um, uh, we're, as we were talking about it earlier, I do think one is the, um, yeah, that people are drawn to her and we get to meet those people. We get to have these experiences of interacting with people that are drawn to her. Um, I think Heavenly Father has blessed us with patience. And, um, I, I think when we were first married, we were not naturally patient people, <laughs> just my personality. I don't think anybody patient. really is. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone parenthood and marriage make you that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and thinking back to before Caroline, it's been a while now, I was really achievement oriented and I was kind of into, you know, I got good grades in school and turned down a big fellowship at different, I don't know, I was into achievements. And obviously my life is completely different now. I, you know, I, I take care of Caroline mostly, um, but I value her. I've learned that the worth of people has nothing to do with what they accomplish in their lives. And I feel that profoundly being around Caroline. And that's helped me value myself for me and not my achievements and other people around me. Um, I think that's been a huge blessing perspective of just the worth of a soul um what a blessing that is we've had just a lot of compensatory blessings as far as oh, i was just thinking when she was first born those first three years um like i used to worry about money a lot of her stuff was expensive we didn't have as good of health insurance then those hospital bills were really scary um and her equipment and stuff wasn't covered diapers weren't covered um, stuff like that. And I remember at one point she outgrew her stroller and I really wanted to be able to take her for walks and I wanted to get the exercise. But we looked at special needs jogging strollers and they're like a thousand dollars and we thought we can't afford that. Um, but we prayed about it and, and I just thought, oh, I'll kind of put that on the shelf and maybe I'll check the classified for used ones. And then we happened to be in California visiting my family. Um, at Christmas, I think, and we and I, I woke up one morning and thought we should check the classifieds here. And I checked them and someone was selling the exact stroller, special needs jogging stroller we wanted for a fraction of the price. I think it was $300. We went over there. It was brand new. She had never used it. I mean, it was just not only was it, you know, we saved a lot of money. We wouldn't have been able to afford it otherwise. But it was also one of those tender mercies that we love to feel from Heavenly Father. Like he knows 
that this is a kind of a stupid little thing, but it mattered to me and it mattered to him and he made it happen. I mean, it just was too much to be a coincidence. We've had a lot of experiences like that, I think. And it's not always the way we want. You know, our prayers are not always answered the way we want, but there's enough of them that come that we know we're being watched out for over and over again. Another one, I mean, I talked about one of my hardest challenges is is my that I have to be really flexible. So it's hard for me to not be able to commit. I have a lot of free time, but I can't commit to being somewhere like um, helping in my child's school or things like that. Um, but the last few years, I've gotten really involved in family history. It's been the biggest blessing in my life because I love it. And I can do it from home while I'm taking care of Caroline. It brings the spirit. It helps me feel connected with family. And and I like I said, I just love doing it. And so that's been a, a huge blessing for me. Well, I appreciate, again, your willingness to, to share your story and your faith. Why are you still rowing and choosing faith in Christ and his restored church? I just have a strong testimony of this church. I know that Jesus Christ is the head of it. I know that he's our savior. Um, I served a mission and I just remember when we would teach about Joseph Smith, I could feel the spirit enter the room over and over again. And I can never forget that. And so there's no way I would leave that, leave a place where there's revelation to current prophets and where we can have the, where I can take the sacrament. And, and I have a testimony of the Book of Mormon. I think that keeps me steady reading the Book of Mormon. Those are all foundations of my faith, and, and and we all get hardships in life. The gospel helps us through. Maybe there's challenges when we have callings, or I mean, there's a cost to discipleship, but it's so worth it to me. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the positive things that have come about through Caroline and, and the blessings and whatever. Um, but I don't want to diminish that it's hard and um, and often sad. And um, sometimes I'm just sad for Caroline. You know, when she's crying and we don't know what to do for her and we try everything and she's still just sad, it's sad. And we feel bad for her. And, and so there are heartbreaking aspects of her life um, and disappointments. Um, and so in some ways, yes, it's a challenge to keep growing, but in other ways, my experiences with Caroline have given me more reason to keep growing. My faith in Jesus Christ is stronger today because of Caroline. Our faith as a family in Jesus Christ and the gospel is stronger because of what we've been through with her. and. And so she um, has empowered our faith, strengthened our faith, um, and given us insight and comfort and love and, and joy um, that enables our faith. So in one sense, yes, it's a challenge to maintain faith with such an experience, but in and another, the other side of it is that those experiences have given us faith that we never would have had, at least not in the same way. Um, it's shaped our faith 
in really profound ways. Well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for your testimony and taking the time to do this with me tonight. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Still Rowing Podcast. If you would like a little daily motivation to keep rowing, you can find me on Instagram at churchofjesuschrist underscore sr underscore podcast and on Facebook at churchofjesuschristsrpodcast. Also, if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you would go to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, that would help us spread the word about still rowing. Thanks again for listening.